This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome into Bartholomew Town's continuing coverage of the impact of COVID-19 here in Rhode Island. I'm Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode, a conversation with Rhode Island Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee and community health advocate, Dr. Luis Daniel Munoz. Well, good afternoon, Lieutenant Governor. Wow, we're losing track of everything here. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor. <laughs> good morning, Bill. Hi, Doctor. Good morning. Well, a true pleasure. Thanks for doing this. Figure we'll do like 15 minutes or so right now. Um, and yeah, we're able to get Dr. Munoz on here, an invaluable resource in general, but I'll, certainly in this this moment. Um, so what prompted this conversation was your own show, the, uh, the Ask the Lieutenant Governor program, which you've initiated, which has been a great community resource. And uh, th- the conversation on rationing of testing and just sort of not zeroing in on the, the, the major problems that we're experiencing here in, in this crisis. Lieutenant Governor, if you could just sort of give us an overview of some of the work that your office has been doing on everything from small businesses and acquisition of PPE to now taking a look at some of these complaints and, and major issues that are emerging from uh, communities of color. Yeah, so... <clears throat> I think it's pretty well known that we're working on behalf of all the small businesses in the state of Rhode Island, regardless of what community they're from, regardless of what you know uh, community they represent. And uh, across the board, we're working on that and and heavily advocating right now for some grants to be used from the federal care money uh, to help the small businesses that have been required to close uh, so that they can survive. So we've been doing a lot and also advocating for a uh, a. Um, a guaranteed state guaranteed program working very strongly with the local banks and put favorable loans out for our small businesses uh, that have been impacted uh, by this COVID-19 to uh, you know, which they all have been a serious degree. So working very hard for the small business. But as you mentioned, Bill, we also have uh, been very involved with every community in the state. Uh, the Hispanic community, uh, we have, uh, we've been translating into Spanish. Uh, every, every one of the governor's press conferences since they started with Rosa in our office into the Spanish community. Uh, and we've had, uh, we've used the, the broadcast, as you said, that we're doing to highlight some of the disproportionate infection rates that are happening in different communities. Um, had a, a Lieutenant Governor from Michigan on who's heading up uh, a, a, a study to actually determine why this is happening in the, in the African-American community, the black community in Michigan. Uh, and also the other other uh, uh, areas that have been impacted. Rhode Island has not been exempt from that. We've had high infection rates uh, in the Hispanic community, the, in the Black community, a, a minority community, and 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 in the uh, in the low income communities. Right. So we got to really address that. Um, so we're doing that. I think you heard the other night, in particular, which I really took interest in, was Shinabi's statement on the Asian Asian community. Not only are they being impacted uh, uh, by the virus. But they're also being impacted through intimidation uh, because of Donald Trump calling it a Chinese virus. And, that, and then they haven't been exempt from that intimidation in their businesses or their regular life. And yet we haven't found a way to, to allocate funds from the federal dollars, the care dollars, to actually help them outdo their job. So, yes, we're going to be advocating for everybody that lives in the state, uh, regardless of they're in Foster, Gloucester or East Greenwich or, or on the, on the uh, south side of Providence. 
Dr. Munoz, that's been the, the crux of your work in the last few months as well, is really zeroing in on health equity, but then it's actually been the crux of much of your career. But if you could sort of explain in a nutshell, what are the major issues that you have been advocating about? And one of them I know is obviously testing and, and access to testing. And then perhaps, uh, Lieutenant Governor, you could respond to that as well, that, that sort of crisis of rationing that we're experiencing right now. Yeah, th- thanks so much, Bill, for having me on the show. And, you know, I, I would, uh, you know, I agree with the Lieutenant Governor, we're all interconnected here, right? And so when we're talking about a pandemic and a highly transmissible disease, the reality is that uh, as much as it affects one community, it will eventually also impact another community. And we, we've seen this ha- health crisis turn into an economic crisis. So what we've done, and when I say we, you know, as an individual, I've always advocated for these things, but one person can't create the necessary change, right? It needs to be a group and a community together. And so community leaders and organizations have come together uh, to demand health equity. Um, And what that means in in terms of context is really opening testing up, removing the physician requirement, uh, more transparency around the data. We can't mobilize our resources to support communities unless we really truly have a good understanding of the transparency transmission rates of the population that actually has the disease, right? So when we talk about incidence and prevalence, those things need good data. Um, And so transparency is a a pivotal component of that. Additionally, transportation. We have communities that are very much dependent on public transportation. We know out of New York City that the public transportation system can see the disease. And so when we talk about the interconnectedness of communities, I think it's important to recognize that buses are, you know, one vehicle, literal vehicle that can lead or, and in fact, connects communities. Uh, so really uh, transforming the public transportation system through uh, increasing our buses and reducing the amount of individuals on the bus is another element that we think is highly important. And lastly, and, and I would say most importantly, in a very diverse community, right, even within Southeast Asian community, we have, you know, the Hmong, we have Cambodians, we have Laotians, we have a ton of languages that are represented in Providence and in other urban core communities throughout the state. And if we're not mobilizing translation and interpretation resources, both in our outreach efforts to educate those communities, but as much as well as in our healthcare system to help them understand how they should be coordinating their healthcare, then, you know, we are at risk of leaving communities behind if we're not providing those services. So that's what we've been doing. Um, When I say we, again, a group of community leaders and organizers, and it's been a call to action by those community organizations and leaders that have have really opened an opportunity for me to be on the Equity Council. Uh, A meeting is, in fact, taking place today. And I'm very interested in seeing whether the administration is, in fact, going to simply validate the small steps it's taken or open uh, that forum up to new ideas and improved steps, right, to, to improve our responses to potential resurgences. Lieutenant Governor, from from the get-go of this crisis, you've been out in front and seeking those direct pieces of input from communities, and you've been holding town halls and, and, you know, in in specific business silos and just in, in broad conversations. You've gotten a lot of feedback. Are you satisfied with the way that, and, and again, not to politicize this conversation necessarily, but just from a from a from a, a, a basic perspective, are you satisfied that the voices of Rhode Islanders are making their way, by and large, to the policy discussion that's being implemented right now? Well, I can tell you, I'm happy that the media is going to be involved with the with the access to the governor during the press conferences. I think that that hurt us a lot. I think that the, you know, uh, I was uh, some of my friends encouraged me to storm the press conferences and <laughs> make any sense 
But I can tell you, the me- if I was in the media, I would have been banging on the door saying, you know, let me in. Uh, because I think that, uh, as the doctor said, I think as this, as more and more of this information gets out and, uh, and maybe some of the shortcomings that we've had, I think you can fill those gaps very quickly because the federal monies that I've asked uh, to be released for grants to the small businesses that were required to close, those federal monies are allocated to do exactly what the doctor just said. Uh, it, it, those, al- those monies can be allocated to the Southeast Asian community for translation and the other con- you know, contacts. That, those dollars could be uh, provided to uh, the doctor in terms of uh, the testing issues that he's talking about. Those dollars could be provided to provide uh, additional extraordinary type of um, transportation measures right now uh, with, with communities that, that need those transportation modes to actually get around. So the point is that there are dollars there, and I think rationing has been the word, and I believe that we have been doing some rationing. I think they, I think the governor actually indicated that yesterday when, when he was, when she was asked about my proposal, uh, they're holding on because they feel as though that they can use those dollars uh, to close the budget gaps, which right now, right now it's, it, it's clear that we can't. Uh, and so we should be, you know, very aggressively um, using those resources and targeting them. If we're hearing from different uh, groups that um, that they're in need of translators, that should happen tomorrow. That should have happened yesterday. So we have the resources. I think that opening up the dialogue right now, I think the governor's office did did admit, um, Bill, on one of our uh, translation shows with, with Rosa and our office into the Hispanic community, that they didn't act quick enough to protect the Hispanic community. So let's act quicker. And, and we can't look back. We have seen a lot of really good things happen uh, out of the governor's office, out of Dr. Scott's office here to protect our safety. But if we're hearing that additional things need to be done and we have the resources, we should not be, we should not be um, trying to uh, hold on to those resources uh, in, in anticipating needing them down the line. They're needed right now, and we should be expending those dollars right now to make sure we help every community in the state around, whether it's small business, Hispanic, Laotian, or, or black community, or the Irish community. Once we identify a, 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 a problem in the state in all 39 cities and towns, let's make sure those dollars go, go uh, get spent and uh, are directed in a way that, um, that is helpful. Couldn't agree more. And as sitting there in the press conferences, you know, a lot of I understand the fiscal restraint that is implied by holding those dollars for, you know, hoping that you don't have to use them to plug the budget holes and, and, and that there'll be more federal stimulus money coming on. But I can understand to an extent the fiscal restraint. But I mean, I think, Lieutenant Governor, I think I've heard you say this, that this is the moment. This is the crisis. This is like when you have your, like literally for me, when I had my savings account, you know, the Hey, all my gigs are canceled. Guess what? This is the moment you use the account. You know, that's the, the, this is the crisis. So, Doctor Munoz, if 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 you could just sort of touch on in these last few minutes here, and then we'll go back wrap it up with the lieutenant governor. Um, if you could just sort of touch on as a member of the Equity Council, what are your, I guess, key points right now? What today should we be doing as a state? to turn towards a point where we're addressing these fundamental flaws in our society that are exposing themselves right now, how can we plug, instead of worrying about plugging, plugging the budget for the state, what do we need to do to plug 
the gaps in, in access and the gaps in getting to a point where we can confidently reopen the economy and confidently know that we've got a healthcare situation dialed in? I mean, what, what it, would it really take to get there um, in, in the immediate sense? Yeah, well, well, thanks again, Bill. Uh, you know, with the, as the lieutenant governor said, it's, it's really about resources, capital resources and where they're going. I think there's a complete disconnect when we see an administration that's able or willing to take risk to push the economy open and not necessarily take risk in terms of making adequate investments, right, into our healthcare system. Uh, and so the things we need to do today, again, as I mentioned, we need to open testing up. We need to ensure that not only do we have testing sites, but testing kits that are able to serve the community. Because as we open those doors and remove that physician requirement barrier, there will be a flood of individuals that will go to those sites to get tested. We, we understand that. And historically, you know, we've, we've seen that, right, when free clinics open up in communities that have had access barriers. Additionally, we need a contact tracing force, not a mobile application. We need humans to be reaching out to individuals that have been infected, identifying whether those individuals have been in contact with others, and frankly, also supporting those individuals during their isolation or quarantine with resources like food, right? Like housing support. And so all of those resources that those individuals need, we also understand that the community at large needs at this time as well. But we have to start with our most vulnerable and that can serve as a model to help everyone else. Lastly, uh, one thing that I haven't heard much about in terms of you know, the administration's approach to reopening is a resurgence response plan. I did mention this uh, to the Lieutenant Governor the other day. Uh, you know, How are we going to treat epicenters of resurgences? Uh, are we going to lock down businesses that are within a given area of those epicenters. And if we're going to lock those businesses down, how are we going to support those businesses to reopen? Because at that point, we really have to look at that issue through a racial and equity lens. And without a resurgence response plan, we're going to be unable to do that. So that, those are the three areas I think we need to address today. Lieutenant Governor, if uh, I'll give you the last couple of minutes here just to sort of zero in on what are you focused on in your office focused on here um, over the next week or so, next couple of days, whatever it may be. And I want to say also that, you know, it hasn't gone unnoticed from not only me, but from, for in layman's terms, plenty of people have noticed that you've been holding these town halls, that you've been advocating for different communities and that you're not up there on the stage with the governor. And, you know, again, not to get into that specific conversation, but highlighting the work that you're doing because it's been addressing the human beings involved here as we move through this process. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, the doctors really focus on the health issues and, and I, and I'll rely on, uh, you know, the, the people who are really in that area to kind of give us the guidance that we need and be supportive of that. As we mentioned, we're, we're in every community. Uh, and, uh, so we know who's being impacted more than others. Uh, but everybody's being impacted. I think that's the message that we really want to deliver. Everybody's being impacted. And so we need to make sure that we're responding to every area of the state, every community that makes up our state. And uh, that's what we're going to continue to do, Bill. And, and uh, you know, the short term, this, while we're living inside this crisis, we need to be really um, quick uh, and, and not in a hurry. You know, John Wood, and my, my, one of my, the guys people I've read a lot on the coach, he said, be quick, but don't be in a hurry. So we need to be quick uh, on these issues, not in a hurry. When you're in a hurry, you make mistakes, but you need to be quick. And, and provide the resources in that we have available through those federal dollars to really make the best impact we can 
long term, I can't wait to get back into the conversation about why we're in the spot that we're in. Why are certain communities being impacted the way they're being impacted? Why are we continuing having this this bias uh, and and some of the uh, the uh, horrific things that are happening around the country, whether it's in Minnesota or whether it's in Georgia? Why are those things happening? We we need to really understand this on a long term basis. I can't get wait to get back into the into the piece that I think is one of the most critical pieces that we have in our state of Rhode Island, which is, has to do with education and, and providing the education across the board to everyone in the state, regardless of where they live, regardless of their income levels, and, and clearly whether they're middle income, high income, or low income, they're all important. We need to make sure we find the right avenues to make that happen. You know that we have done that. I've done that over a, well over a decade of work, uh, and we are really impacting families right now in the most affected areas. We are addressing on education through the work with the Mayoral Academy and the work that I did as a mayor, setting up a mayor's office of education. We've been running pre-K in our town of Cumlinville for the last 13 years and doing it at an affordable rate through the mayor's office. So every community should have one of those. Every, every parent should know exactly how their schools are doing. So yeah, I can't wait to get back into that, but the task at hand right now is to deal with the crisis that we're dealing with right now. So the small businesses are at a crisis point. That is not going to be good for our state if there's a huge amount of failures. As the doctor said, regardless if it's in an Hispanic area, black area, or white area, or influent, you know, affluent area, non-affluent area, we really need to pay attention to that. And then I think the messaging that the doctor's providing uh, to make sure that the health component is spoken to in a way that helps the most impacted and affected areas. That'll be uh, that'll be a continue to be uh, you know something I'm going to work on. And we're starting a we've actually identified a nonprofit that's willing to uh, be a fiduciary for our office for donations. And we're start we'll be announcing that today in our call, and we'll be formalizing that next Tuesday in our call. And so anybody out there that wants to help out, wants to provide PPEs, wants to provide computers into uh, you know areas that the business community needs, wants to provide donations to help out our, our uh, different communities, whether small business or whether it's the uh, different communities that impacted. Um, we are, we're in a position, our, our office is going to really take an active role. We're going to partner with a, with a church on Hartford Avenue that we're going to accept these donations, and then we're going to distribute them because you said, I got my feet on the ground. I am talking to people in a real way. I know where there's need and where there's gaps that aren't being filled. Our office is going to try to fill those gaps. Rhode Island's Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee, Dr. Louis Daniel Munoz, Health Policy Advisor now on the Equity Council here in the state of Rhode Island. Thank you so much, both of you. And uh, keep up, I guess, keep the pedal down because it's impressive and essential work that you're you're each doing, even if it's not getting presented to the state on television every day at one o'clock. Well, thanks for the opportunity to be here today, Bill. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Listen, subscribe, rate, review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio content, and head over to your favorite social media channel. Your search is Bartholomew Town.